0: Healthy Hacker, episode 20. Hey, how's it going? Chris here. It's been 240 weeks since I did an episode of The Healthy Hacker, and yeah, that's quite some time, about four and a half years. I've moved a bunch, I've changed jobs a couple times, I've moved on to writing Elixir now instead of Ruby, I worked in an office for a while, now I'm working remotely again, uh, what else has changed? Lots of stuff has changed. I don't know if you necessarily care about my personal life, so I guess I'll stop talking. But at the end of the day, a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed doing in the past, I still enjoy doing today. I just do it differently. So one thing you'll notice about this show now, compared to the previous episodes, is there's no music in the beginning. And the reason for that is because I don't really want to edit this podcast anymore. I'm going to try just having an idea to talk about. I got some notes written down here and I'm going to talk about this thing and then I'm going to record it and then I'm going to send it on up and that's it. So a lot of the reasons why I stopped doing the show in the first place is because it's just too much work. And since then, my wife and I have started a podcast and it is the most fun I've ever had doing a podcast because all we got to do is turn on the mics and have a conversation. It's a total blast. And then... We stop it, and we upload it, and I don't need to spend four or five hours editing the thing, which is definitely how long I took to edit the other Healthy Hacker podcasts, and I think that's because I was trying to make them perfect, you know, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't need to be perfect. It's fine if you hear me say um or get confused or slur my speech or mispronounce something or whatever, Um, but... With all that said, I have lots of ideas for shows. And uh, the first thing I wanted to do uh, is talk about a topic that um, is very recent for me. This is something I've been doing for probably seven months now. Um, Six months, seven months. Right before I started the job I'm doing now. Excuse me. Look at that. I'm not even going to edit that out. And this is the idea of your development environment. Okay? When you buy a new laptop, or you work at a fancy startup, and they give you a laptop for free, and it's really, really modern and expensive. The first thing that we feel we need to do is set up our development environment. And for a lot of us, that means we're using Macs, because a Mac is a flavor of Unix, and it's got all the tools we need for development. So we get our machine we get it all set up for whatever project we're working on and for most of us that setup looks the same everywhere we go because we are working on similar projects so if you're in the if you're in the ruby world maybe you're working on a bunch of different rails apps and so the the kind of tools you install the kind of environment you make is very similar regardless of where you're working and then if you're at the same company for a long time you're barely ever changing your development environment you're you're maybe making some tweaks here and there but you're not drastically changing it on a day-to-day basis. So what I was thinking in a few months ago, six months ago when I started doing this is why don't I just put my development environment in the cloud, just like I do with my music, just like I do with my docs, just like I do with my email. I don't run a local email server, just like I do with GitHub. You know, I push all my code up there. I don't keep local copies of all my repositories. I trust that those are going to be safe on GitHub uh, except for a, a, a select handful that I would be very devastated if I lost. But even then, those are somewhere else. I have copies on Dropbox. I don't actually store them on, on my machine. I just create multiple copies. So I'm already very comfortable putting all these things on on remote computers, and I get a lot of benefits from that. For example, music I can access from my computer. I can access it from my phone, can access it from my car. Uh, with documents, it's the, it's the same way, right? You can email someone a document and they don't have the copy you emailed. They have a link to the document. So it's always up to date and we're not passing around all these copies of documents everywhere. There's a lot of benefits and there's not a lot of negatives. I mean, I, there's, there's really no negatives that I can think of with documents and music and these Git repositories of not having a local copy. It it really is nice. So here's the cool thing is you can do that with your development environment too. You don't need to install all this stuff on your laptop. And the reasons why you might want to do that, well, let me back up a little bit. So the service I used to do this is uh, Linode. So I don't know if you've heard of that, but it's a Basically, a remote computer that you can do whatever the hell you want on. Um, it's like uh, DigitalOcean provides this as well. I prefer Linode, and that's spelled L-I-N-O-D, because I've used them so many times in the past for other things. I just love their customer support. I love their service. It's very easy to use. It's very it's priced very well. It's just very well done. So, of all the choices out there, that's the one that I prefer to use. And what you do on Linode is you create an account, and they have several different types of plans the pricing is based on basically the power of the machine that they're going to give you and i mean it's to give you an idea of some of the pricing um they've got and this isn't like a paid advertisement obviously i'm just telling you about linode because i like them but this isn't they're not paying me to do this um there's five dollars a month gives you uh one gigabyte of ram and it gives you one core so for a lot of people, that's actually enough, right? $5 a month. Uh, $10 a month basically doubles that. You get two gigs of RAM. $20 a month gives you even more. So I do $20 a month. That gives you four gigs of RAM, and it gives you two processor cores. I'm The stuff I'm working on is, is kind of processor intensive. So uh, it's necessary for me to pay for that, but maybe you can get by with a smaller plan. The really cool thing about putting your development environment up in the cloud is you can use it exactly the same as you do on your local machine you have all you know you have root access you can install whatever you want they have a bunch of different operating systems you can use i like to use ubuntu which is a really popular linux flavor and you know on a day-to-day basis of say you're working on a rails application you're running a development server you can still access that from your machine just instead of typing localhost you're typing the ip address of your, your your remote computer you have complete control over the firewall so you can open up whatever ports you'd like, you know, development ports. You can even host a production version of your app if you really wanted to. Um, but other than that, I mean, if you're working, uh, for, for, for example, I um, wrote a couple things down that I've done recently that have been um, a really big help. So say you're working on something on your machine, right? And, and it's behaving differently than everyone else's machine as, as that usually happens, right? You can actually send people a link to your machine, and they can use the app, or they can look at a log, or they could even pair program with you. If you use something like TMUX on your remote machine, that means that multiple people can connect to the exact same session and see what each other is typing. And it's instantaneous. This isn't screen sharing. This is using SSH or MOSH or something like that. And I'll talk about what MOSH is in a second. But it's, very, very, very fast, low latency pair programming. And you're both looking at exactly the same thing. And you can both access the development server as well on your own browsers, on your own machines. So there are actually a lot of advantages to this. Um, Some other advantages, automatic backups. You know, we don't really backup our machines anymore, right? But when stuff is up on in, you know, the cloud, it's going to be backed up for you automatically, you can fork your development environment say you're starting a new project and you want to, you know, you could create an image for Ruby on Rails apps. And this is the environment that you use when you're writing Ruby on Rails. And you can create a new instance of that every time you want to work on a new Rails app. So let's talk about how to actually access these machines. So right now, if you're working on your development machine, you open up a terminal and then you can do whatever you want, right? When you're working remotely, it's actually exactly the same. You open up a terminal and then you can do whatever you want. The difference is, Instead of your terminal connecting to your local development environment, it's going to connect to your remote development environment. But functionally, it it appears the same. It's just running remotely. And what I like to use for this is MOSH. So I'm sure you've heard of SSH. Uh, Maybe you haven't, but SSH is a really common way of connecting to a remote machine using the terminal. So you can get a command prompt on a remote machine and use it. The downside of SSH, though, is it uses TCP IP, which requires these, all these handshakes with everything you do. So you may notice if you connect to a machine, say, on the other side of the world, or just over a slow internet connection, say you're connecting from your phone or something, there's a lot of delay when you type, and it's just not a way that you'd want to work on a day-to-day basis. It's very slow, and it can be laggy. But there is this other way of connecting that uses SSH, called MOSH. And the benefit of MOSH is it uses UDP instead of TCP IP. So UDP is the same protocol that you know your video games use. So if you've ever played a video game with somebody, like an online video game, and you got this thing of lag where this person's kind of jittering around and bouncing and, and teleporting and, you know, they look like crap because they got this horrible internet connection. But they don't get disconnected. You know, they're still able to play. When their internet connection slows down, you know, maybe their frame rate will go down and they'll start lagging around and they'll die because they don't have a great connection. But they won't be disconnected. They'll still be able to play. And it works on all speeds of internet connections. And the reason that works is because video games use UDP. And UDP doesn't require this this, uh, acknowledge, this like handshake process that TCP requires. The way that TCP IP works is you send a packet and then the other server has to say, okay, I received the packet. And then you send the next packet and then they say, okay, I received the packet. So if your internet connection drops or if it's slow, you're going to see that while you're connected to the remote machine, your typing is going to be slow. Things aren't going to load. It's not going to be a very good experience. With UDP though, there's no acknowledgement. You just fire off packets as fast as you can. And if you miss a couple packets, who cares? So what that means from a usage standpoint is while, while you're developing, your internet connection can completely drop. It can slow down. You could you know, turn off your computer, turn it back on again. And, and well, actually, I, I'm not sure if you could turn your computer and turn it back on <laughs> back on again. That may not be the case. But uh, if your connection drops, that's certainly not an issue. You will still stay connected to the remote machine. And all your keystrokes appear instantaneously. The screen loads in a way where if you miss a few packets, it doesn't really matter. It's very, very fast. And so for all intents and purposes, while you're developing, it seems like you're working on your local machine. You can connect from that same session on your phone. You can connect to that same session on a second computer or a third computer. I could disconnect from my session on my computer at home. And then I could reconnect in a cafe using my iPad and a Bluetooth keyboard. The exact same session. All my tools are still there. All my files are still open. It's the same exact development environment. My computer is just a window into that development environment. So it doesn't matter. This is why you could use something like an iPad or you could use something like a phone in an emergency situation. And it'll be exactly the same as when you are writing your code in, at home or in the office because it's the same connection and you're using the tools remotely. Okay, and I got a couple other benefits here that I've jotted down here before I started doing this. Um, one, the internet connection on, at, at Lino.com. These, these machines that they create for you, is way faster than any inter- internet connection I've ever had at home. So while I'm connected from my machine at home, all I'm transmitting back and forth from my development environment is my keystrokes and screen drawings, which is text. Everything else is using their internet connection. So if I download a packet or if I'm serving a website or if I want to share something with somebody, a link to some- something, All that stuff is going over Linode's internet connection and it is really fast. And if there's ever an issue where you are moving, you know, say you're moving from like me, I moved from California to Colorado, you can take your development environment and you can move it to a server closer to your home if you're really concerned about that distance. I haven't had any issues with working on a California machine from Colorado, but Uh, that's very easy to do. So your machines are backed up on whatever interval you want them to back up and you can mirror them to different machines. And like I said, you can fork it and create different copies and stuff like that. It's very convenient. It's kind of like what Docker does, but in a much better way, in my opinion, because everything is truly isolated and you don't need to have Docker running on your machine. You can turn your machine off and your stuff's still running. If you start a long-running process up in the cloud, you can just turn your machine off, go to bed, wake up again, and connect, and it's still going to be running. So it's very, very useful in that way. And then another benefit, of course, while you're not developing, you could have servers running. You can run your own Git server. You can run your own email server if you run, if you want um, and, and, and you can have, you know, a uh, your own personal development version of the app you're working on running at all times that you can connect to as well. So why not do this? You know, there's gotta be some kind of cons, right? Well, one is you have to pay money. So if that's an issue, then don't do it. Okay. But, uh, for me, the flexibility of being able to use any machine I want to develop on, not, being have, not having to be tied to a MacBook Pro has far outweighed that con. I'm very happy to spend $20 a month and be able to code from uh, my gaming PC. You know, I haven't had a gaming PC in years because I'm, I've been, I'm a developer and writing code on Windows in the past has always sucked. It's actually improved quite a bit recently um, because of this thing called WSL, but, um, which maybe I'll talk about later. But part of my reason... For wanting to try this whole thing out is just wanting to get out of the Apple ecosystem because, not because I I don't like it, but just because I want to try new stuff, you know. You don't have a lot of control over Apple machines and you have so much control over building your own PC. It's just a ton of fun. So I do all my development now on a PC But I I work the exact same way I always have in a Mac because I'm able to connect to this remote Linux environment that uses all the same tools I'm used to, and uh, I've even worked on my iPad many many days. I use a Bluetooth keyboard and I connect and it's instantaneous. It's it's fantastic. Okay, let's look at some other reasons why you might not want to do this. So price, obviously, that's a thing. Um, The number one thing I've heard, and I've heard this from a coworker as well, and I won't say his name, is. I'll need the internet to work, right? If your development environment is up in the cloud and you lose your internet connection, you can't write code anymore because you don't have access to it, right? But my response to this is you need the internet anyway. I mean, (laughs) are you actually able to work without the internet? I have never been able. I've tried writing code on an airplane before. I can't do it. I mean, I, I, I've got a little bit done, but the amount of stuff that I need to look up on Google on a regular basis, and the amount of you know, dependencies I need to update or, or whatever, or send a person a message in Slack, or, try, or open up a PR to get a review, I mean, I need internet for my work. So that's kind of a given. If I don't have internet, I'm not going to be able to work anyway. I'm happy to make that compromise of needing an internet connection to do my development. And to reiterate, you don't need a fast internet connection for this. All you're sending over are your keystrokes and text from the terminal. And you're using MOSH, which uses UDP, which is very, very fast, even over a cell connection. So internet connection isn't necessarily an issue. The second concern I hear is, how am I going to do local development without having access to a browser? right? If you're connected to a machine over SSH or MOSH, you're not going to have access to a browser, right? Well, that's not true because you still have a browser on your local machine. But instead of typing, if you're working on a Rails app, you know, the default port is going to be localhost 3000. Instead of in your browser typing localhost 3000, you're going to type the IP address of your remote machine and then port 3000 or whatever port you decided to run on. Again, these development environments you have complete control over. So you can open up whatever ports you want and make it what you want. So you still can do everything you're used to doing. You can still open up the inspector and reload your page and do all that kind of stuff, but you're just not doing it off localhost, you're doing it off of your remote machine. And to make it easier, I've even set up, I have a a domain name pointed at my Linode, so I don't even need to remember an IP address. I just have a web address that I go to, and whatever ports I have uh, stuff running on, I can connect to, including any kind of local development servers. Okay, another issue that I've heard a number of times is not everyone likes to write their code in Vim or Emacs or a text-based or a terminal-based editor, which My first response is, hey, Vim's awesome, you should check it out. But still, um, that is a valid argument, and it is difficult to do that. But one of the most popular editors I've seen, especially today, is VS Code. And VS Code is a full IDE. It has its own little terminal and does all kinds of crap for you. It's very, very popular. It is uh, written by Microsoft. There is a version of that that runs on Linux and Windows and Mac OS, so you can run it on all your machines. And VS Code allows you to develop using a remote machine. So that specific editor gives you all the stuff that you, w- that you would want in a GUI editor. It's actually quite pretty. I've considered using it myself, but I just I've invested so much time in Vim, it's not really worth me getting out of that ecosystem. But... It is a nice editor. I'm very surprised. And VS Code again allows you to work on a remote machine. So you can open up your own local copy of VS Code, give it all your host name and credentials and stuff for your remote machine, and it'll be it'll work exactly the same as it does locally, except it'll be running all the commands on the remote machine, and you'll be working on the files on the remote machine. And when you open up the browser, it'll connect to the remote machine instead of localhost. So check that out if you're into GUIs and you want to be able to use all the GUI features. VS Code is actually a really great editor and it will allow you to work on a remote machine. And then the last argument, which I don't have a good response to, is people who need to write native apps. Uh, So this is specifically Apple apps. You know, if you're writing an iOS app or a macOS app, you got to use Xcode. So I don't think there's a way around that. If that's the situation you're in, Maybe this isn't for you, but if you are working on any kind of web stuff or anything else that doesn't require specific tooling, you know, GUI tooling, I mean, it can even be a specific terminal tool. That's fine, as long as you can install that on some Linux flavor. But uh, yeah, native apps are a no-go. So sorry if you're in that boat. So that's it. Um, Leno.com, check it out. It's uh, pretty freaking sweet. I am not turning back. I have. I don't even have a laptop anymore. I have a desktop machine that I use at home. It's very fast. I love using it. And when I'm done working, I will just disconnect from my Tmux session and it, everything will stay running. Everything will stay open. And I can wake up the next morning and reconnect from my machine if I want, or I can go to a cafe or I can travel. And what I like to do is connect from my uh, ipad and use a bluetooth keyboard which sounds really dumb it sounds like it's not going to work but it works really well and there's a bunch of uh, mosh clients that you can use let me see what the name is of the one that i use here so the app that i use on my ipad and this is on the iphone as well it's called blink and again this is mosh and it's very that's a very important difference as you want to use mosh you don't want to use ssh ssh will have disconnection issues it'll feel slow it'll feel laggy mosh is very very fast your keystrokes appear instantly you don't need to worry about being disconnected like i can connect a session on my ipad i can lock my ipad put it in my bag then i can unlock it connect to a different wi-fi network reopen the mosh and i'm still connected that connection is is maintained so it's pretty cool stuff So that's it for today. Uh, If you have any questions or if I got something wrong or you just want to say, hey, I am still on Twitter, although I don't don't post a lot there anymore. I'm not very active, but I'm still there. And my username there is Chris Hunt, if you want to send me a message. Email is also great. And I have an email address for this too. It's chris at healthyhacker.com. And I'll get back to you super quickly on that. And I'll talk to you next week. Have a good one.